Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Thank you, Pastor. Love you, love you, man. Amen. And good morning. It's great to be in Chicago. It does look different here. Uh, we're out in the rural part, outside of Roanoke, at a place called Smith Mountain Lake. And uh, our church has 169 acres. I'm sorry. But I have been so inspired. Uh, Pastor Toledo, as he mentioned, we met and had a similar reaction to that. And been so inspired by what God is doing here. I just want to, you know, it's like I almost want to join your capital campaign and just start doing this. Because I want to tell you, I said this to him when we met, that, that God has united us and brought us together for a purpose. And you know, across the street from our church is a really large marina. We're at a big lake. And the owner of that marina lives in Chicago. So I texted him yesterday or this week, and I said, won't you come to church on Sunday? I don't know. If you're here, Robert, it's great to see you. I love you, man. So we're connected. But um, you know what I've learned in this process? And, and we shared our story when we met a year or so ago and, and realized that, that we are on this very similar journey, almost numerically identical in our, in our journey. And uh, I've learned that generosity is not generated in the heart of man. It's generated in the heart of God. And so our, our generosity, and this has been the journey that we've had, our generosity is rooted in the reality that our God is a generous God. Paul, in talking about generosity, he said, though he was rich, yet he became poor for your sake, so that we who are poor might become rich. And he was talking in that passage about generosity. And I, I, uh, uh, I uh, almost two years ago, we were preaching on this. Uh, we were preaching through really prayer and fasting in January of 2017. At the end of the month, we decided that prayer, fasting, and giving are a threefold cord that can't be broken. And so we preached on giving, and we had challenged our people to give uh, 100% of the people in the congregation to tithe, to obey the Lord with the tithe. And uh, they say the best churches in America, statistics say that about 35% of, of, in the best churches, about 35% of God's people tithe. I don't know what that says, but that's what the statistics say. So I said to our congregation, I think we're like the greatest church in the world. Like Chicago Tabernacle is second, but we're, we're like the greatest church in the world. So, but I'm going to challenge us to be 100% obedient to the Lord on the last Sunday of January because... How many of you know that if all God's people would be fully obedient when it comes to generosity, we wouldn't even need a capital campaign, amen? We could do all the ministry, build all the buildings, send all the missionaries, plant all the churches, minister all the kids, and this is my conviction. So that Sunday came, and at that time, our budget was $17,000 a week, and after that Sunday, my assistant came in, uh, our administrative guy came in and said, you won't believe this, our offering Sunday was $52,000 which is 1734.51. That's triple. And so I got up the next Sunday. I said, I have good news and bad news. The good news is the offering was $52,000. The bad news is you proved me right. That maybe only 35% of us. And if we would just obey God, then we would have $2 million a year on top of everything else just to do the work of the Lord. And that's a word for everybody right now. 
If we'll just obey God, God can do more. So we defined, so in that sermon that morning I preached, I defined generosity with the Lord's help as this. Generosity is my response to God's request for what I have so he can do something supernatural with it. My response to God's request, God sees something in our hand and he says, let me have that. And the reason God wants it is not so he can remove it from you, is so that he can bless it and multiply it and sanctify it and make it something better than it ever could have been. And I, I preached that, I preached that, and then we talked about the woman at Zarephath, and Elijah said, give me that last meal. And she said, well, we're going to die. This is our last meal. He said, give it to me, God's, God's request. And then the little boy with the lunch, the famous story, the five uh, loaves and two fish, and he said, the Lord said, give me your lunch, so that the Lord could do something supernatural with it. There are many people that believe in a campaign like this. I, my contribution is not significant. It is not significant until it gets into the hand of God Almighty. Almighty. And then God does something significant. And so after that Sunday, the offering was 52,000. And immediately, within 10 minutes, the Lord said to me, you have 52,000. That boy had five loaves and two fish. I want your 52,000. Now you want to get fired? Go to your leadership team and say, the Lord wants us to give away all our offering. That's not a sustainable financial plan. I don't know. It doesn't work in Virginia. But my leadership team wept and we cried and we prayed and we, we gave away every penny of that $52,000 in January, uh, in February then after January of 2017. So we just found like five Christian organizations, a church that was building a church, a school, a missionary, a church plant, and Daniel Henderson, the prayer remo- renewal movement. And we took the, the largest, and that was sort of the seed offering of our capital campaign, which was going to start later in the year. We took that 52000 and like the little boy, we gave it in the hands of Jesus. And the devil said to me, now you're an idiot. And I actually told my board, I said, just so you know, later in the year, if we ever need that money, you voted to do this. Don't just blame me. We're in this together, right? <laughs> And, and at that time, the consultant said, you can raise $1.4 million. And the bank said, we can loan you about $1.4 million. And we have an $8 million project. And 10 days ago, I signed a note, we signed a note, and the bank said, we'll give you $5 million, which is 100 times what we gave away. And next Sunday is our one-year anniversary to our Multiply campaign. And if two people will come through like they said they're going to come through, our donations will be 100 times the donation that we made in the beginning, over $5 million. Amen. And so I say that, I say that not because I didn't start out saying, I'm going to give this 52 to the Lord. No, I just... It's our obedience to the Lord, my response to God's request so he can take what you have and turn it into something that you could never have, and that is something supernatural. So, uh, Pastor Toledo, thank you for your leadership. I'm excited about this. There's so many things that are in harmony with this, and I'm excited to see how this unfolds. And uh, uh, I was going to say if I win the lottery, I'll, but I don't play the lottery. So, you know, how many of you know that, that uh, uh, I thought about this week that Powerball is a big deal? And how many of you know that God has more money than the Powerball and you're never taking a chance with the Lord? Amen. That wasn't even in for this sermon, but I did it anyways. I know this morning uh, that the world we're living in needs, needs Jesus in a desperate way. 
The world needs a mighty and a powerful church to be functioning. And uh, if we ever needed to do a church to do what is important, it's, it's right now. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. I've called this uh, little passage, which you are familiar with, uh, the Constitution to the Kingdom of God. The Constitution to the Kingdom of God. How many of you know this morning that the Democrats and the Republicans, they neither one have the real answers for what's going on in this world? And I think the church needs to embrace that reality. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12, you will be familiar with these beautiful, sweet words. Jesus said in chapter 5, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Does anybody this morning want to be blessed? You want to live under the blessing of God? Jesus gives us eight definitions of that. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about the constitution to the kingdom of God. As Christians, we don't live according to the principles of this world. We live according to the teachings and the leadership of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that today? If there had been a Twitter in the day that Jesus was alive, these, these people would have been tweeting this sermon like crazy. Isn't it having this beautiful, rhythmic, sweet Twitter feel to it? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I mean, you can tweet that, and then you can hashtag it, the Beatitudes. <laughs> if there had been a Twitter in this day, these sermons, they, and, and, and sadly, in a way, um, the reality is that these have become cute little sayings in our world, haven't they? Blessed, blessed, bless you. Bless, blessed are the meek, blessed. Oh, that just sounds, blessed are the meek, that sounds so sweet. That sounds like something my grandmother would say, blessed are the meek. But it doesn't sound real relevant in many ways. But Jesus is introducing this way of living called the kingdom of God. Jesus had said in Mark chapter uh, 1 and, and chapter 2, he said the kingdom of God is here. How many of you know that we're not just waiting for the coming kingdom, but the kingdom of God is already set up in this world and set up in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit? But I just want to give you some, some, of the, some of the simple truths from this passage of Scripture this morning that I think help us as we try to understand what it means to be blessed and how to live different and make a difference in this world. Notice these principles that Jesus gives us are radically different from the world. They're radically different from the world. Jesus was dropping bombs, not sweet statements. 
These foundational truths for the kingdom of God are more than platitudes and more than cute sayings. We hear these words and we imagine Jesus having this far off look in his eye and he's standing on the side of a mountain and he's saying in a nice soft tone, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the pure in heart. And somehow it loses it. Somehow it loses, I think, the, the reality of what Jesus is really saying in these moments. They make good material for our plaque. Lifeway Christian bookstores has made a lot of money on these cute sayings, but they are so much more than that. Jesus was not, drop, was drop, not dropping nice quips. He was dropping grenades on the worldview of the Romans and the Greeks and the Jews. These are the counter-cultural governing principles of the kingdom that Jesus has come to set up. It's the way his kingdom, the kingdom of God, will be ordered, much different than the predominant worldviews of that day. Jesus says the blessed are those who are poor in spirit and those who mourn and are meek and those who are hungry and thirsty and those who are merciful and those who are peacemakers. Blessed are those who are, who are persecuted or set aside or marginalized. And the world, the world that Jesus lived in is not much different than the world that we live in. And, and our world doesn't view that as a blessing. But here's what I want you to know this morning. Jesus is bringing the reality and the possibility of blessing within reach of every human being who is here. You see, the Romans were, the Romans were militarily ruthless. That was their worldview. The Romans' worldview of Jesus' day, and there were those there who understood that, and they were listening to Jesus, and here was the Romans' worldview. The Romans' worldview was conquer, destroy, take dominion. They were brutal. The Romans in their military, they were brutal. This was their worldview. How much more can we conquer? Power was their worldview. On the other hand, the Greeks were intellectual. And for the Greek, wisdom and knowledge was where it was. And that's what was, that's what, if you were blessed by the gods in a Greek worldview, that means you had great wisdom and knowledge. If you were blessed by the Greek gods, then that meant you were powerful and you conquered. In the Jewish world, the Jewish were religious legalists. If you were blessed by the gods, it meant you were a child of Abraham. It meant you wore a robe a certain way. It meant you followed certain rules in a very restrict manner. The Jewish worldview was shaped by their arrogant religious perspective. They were children of Abraham who were scrupulous about the law. It had been passed down to him. They had this rich heritage, and they followed the law meticulously on the outside. And so from a Jew's perspective, if you were going to be blessed of the gods, you did all of these rules. If you were a Greek and you were blessed by the gods, you had all of this supernatural divine wisdom. If you were a Roman and you were blessed by the gods, you were powerful and mighty. And Jesus takes it and he turns it on its head. He says to the Roman, blessed are the meek. And the Roman says, what are you talking about? He says to the Greek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, not after knowledge and wisdom, but after righteousness. And then he says to the Jews, blessed are those who are pure in their heart. And the Jews didn't know much about heart purity. They had ceremonial purity. They knew about legalism and religious, uh, following religious scruples. Each of these were seeking the same goal. They were seeking the goal of being blessed. And Jesus offers them and us a pathway to blessing. 
How easy is it for us today as a church and as Christians to embrace the principles for living that are counter to the truths that Jesus teaches? Pastor Toledo, I believe that the church is eaten up with Roman Christianity. Power and conquering and control. I believe the church, and in, in, in other ways, the church is eaten up with Greek Christianity. And by that, it's all about knowledge and wisdom and education. And, and, and we have a lot of uh, learning, but we're getting farther and farther from the truth. And I believe there's a lot of churches that are eaten up with Jewish Christianity. And by that, I mean we are just caught up in religious legalism and following a certain order. And Jesus says, no, I want to show you the constitution to the kingdom of God. And it's nothing like what's going on out in the world. Too often in the church, we despise the things that Jesus blesses and we pursue the things that he warns us about. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. He said, I don't want to mourn. No, 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 no. I don't want to. No, Jesus said, I want, you want to be blessed? Blessed are those who mourn. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. We said, blessed are the meek. No, we don't want to be meek. In the church, we don't want to be meek. I mean, we want to be cool. We want to have, uh, we want to have the most Twitter followers of anybody. And we want everybody to know that we have the most Twitter followers of everybody else. Amen? <laughs> This is good preaching if I'm the one doing it. <laughs> and so we, 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 we run from the things that Jesus blesses, and then we embrace the things that he warns us about. And Jesus is talking about a way that is totally different. Secondly, these principles provide a pathway to genuine blessing. What does it really mean to be blessed? We've, we've, scholars much wiser and more informed than I am have dealt these verses for many years and, and different translations translate the word blessed different ways. And, and I did a research on this some time ago as I was preaching through this and, and trying to understand because some translations translate it happy. Happy are, are the meek and happy are those who mourn. And I, I just fully, after fully trying to understand it, don't think happy really gets there. I don't think it's the real, a real, give us the truest sense of what Jesus is talking about. He challenges the world view of those he's listening to, but then eight times he sums up the deepest longings of every human heart. And you know what the deepest longing of every human heart is? It is to be blessed by God. It is to live under the full favor and contentment. It is the joy and contentment, rather, that living under the full favor of God brings into our life. It's interesting that Jesus uses this word. It's a word that means, it describes a person who is in the enviable position of receiving God's favor, which literally means he extended his favor or he made large his favor in our life. It's an interesting word that evolved over centuries. At one time, the word that Jesus uses as blessed, it's a Greek word, and you didn't come to learn Greek this morning, so it doesn't matter. But it's a Greek word, and the word originally meant it referred only to the gods. The gods are those who are removed from society. They're removed from the suffering of this world. And so the gods are blessed. Later, it took on a meaning that it referred to those who had died and went to be with the God. So in other words, if you died and you were removed from the suffering and the problems of this world, then you were blessed. Later, it, it changed again, and the meaning came to mean those who were wealthy and had all that life could offer them. It was this powerful uh, life of, of, of living luxurious, and you were above the suffering of this world. 
It evolved again, and later it was a word that came to mean those who had done everything just right, and because they had done everything right, God had blessed them. And Jesus comes to them, and he says this in a way, totally changes the whole way we look at that word. And Jesus says, I want to tell you what it means to be blessed. In all of the meanings prior, the blessed one lives in a higher plane than the rest of us. They were gods. They were humans who had gone to the world of gods. They were the wealthy. They were the upper crust. They were those with possessions. The blessed were those whose lives, whose people whose lives, who lived above the normal cares and problems and worries of the everyday people. And I don't know about you, but I don't fit into any one of those categories this morning. But Jesus takes blessing off the shelf. And he brings it down and he said, are you, are you suffering this morning? I want you to know if you'll trust in me, you're the blessed one. You have the full favor of God. Jesus said, are you hurt? Are you hungry after righteousness? No, you may not be rich. You may be suffering. You may be sick. You may have things. Are you hungering after God? Let me tell you something. You're the one, not the Roman general, not the Greek philosopher, not the Jewish priest. You're the one, the one who is suffering this morning. You're the one who's going to live under the full favor of God. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. In Jesus' view, it's not the elite who are blessed. It's not the rich and powerful who are blessed only. It is not the high and mighty. It's not the religious people who are only blessed. It is not the people living in huge mansions or large penthouses. Rather, Jesus pronounces God's blessings on those who come to him in the position of a beggar. If you will come to me humble and bowed before me, you will be blessed. Throughout the history of this world has always been other people who were considered blessed. It was the rich, the up the powerful and Jesus turns it all upside down and the elite the elite in God's kingdom the blessed ones are character characterized in these verses you've heard the term you can't outrun the long arm of the law did you know that if you'll humble yourself before God you will not ever out extend beyond the long arm of God's blessing and grace in your life Jesus is talking about this matter of blessing Blessing is the joy and contentment that comes from living under the full favor. It's true happiness. Let me mention this, and I, I'm hurrying this morning. Let me mention this reality, that these principles are a connected chain, not isolated characteristics. And this is such an important word to know this morning. These, these characteristics are a connected chain, not isolated characteristics. When we read them, the rhythmic and poetic nature of these truths, it's easy to isolate them from one another. We can, be easy, we can easily be selective. In other words, we can look at this list and say, you know what, I think I need a little more hunger after right, so we can just jump right in there at the fourth or fifth one. Or we can say, oh, I need to be blessed are the peacemakers. Or we can find some, and we can just isolate these. But did you know these are a connected chain? We do not see these as individual characteristics. As we study the, the, the Beatitudes, we realize that they are linked together like a chain, and they are an ascending path to God's blessing. Jesus says, and listen, listen to this, just listen to the steps on this path. Jesus says, if you want to enter into my spiritual kingdom, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The, way, the doorway into the kingdom of God is to be humble and, and broken and, and, and poor in your spirit before him. 
And if you want to, if you want to experience the blessings that are pronounced in these verses, you have to come in the front door. You have to come in the front. The doorway into the blessing is in, 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 the, in being broken in your spirit. It is the humbling of ourselves before God in full recognition of our need for him. He then says, when you, when you are broken in spirit, then he said, blessed are those who mourn. Primarily the mourning spoken of in these verses is the mourning that takes place over sin and the repentance that we have over our sin. When we come to Jesus and we humble ourselves before him and we mourn and we become broken in spirit and then we begin to mourn. And Jesus said, guess what? Blessed are those who mourn over their sin for they will be comforted. Here's an interesting reality. The word comfort here is the same word in John's gospel 16 and 17 where Jesus said, I'm going to send a comforter. Blessed are those who mourn for they will paraclete. They will have a comforter. And Jesus is saying, if you want to live under the full favor of God, you enter the front door through humility of spirit. You mourn over your sin. The Holy Spirit comforts and strengthens and enables you. After we have humbly entered the kingdom and mourned over our sinful, Jesus changes our disposition. And he said, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meekness means committing your cause to God. It's power under control. Meekness is, is so, so Christ changes our disposition. And then he goes into, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Can I just say this morning, you'll never hunger and thirst after righteousness unless you came in the front door and you were broken in your spirit and you mourned over your sin and you allowed God to change your perception and your attitudes about life. And then and only then will you develop a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Did you know that the first act of righteousness in this order is mercy? Jesus describes the blessed as merciful. It's the first act of righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now that sounds like, that sounds like it, I'm the initiator of mercy. I'll be merciful and God will be merciful. But you got to understand where we started. We started in the front door, right? And it was God who is rich in mercy while we were yet sinners who loved us. And God is always has the first word in mercy and he always has the last say in mercy. Ours, ours is just a cooperation with him. And so Jesus, we humble, humbly come before him. We mourn over our sin. He changes our disposition. We begin to hunger and thirst for the things of God. He changes our perspective and treatment of other people. We become merciful. And then he says, blessed are the peacemakers. You notice up till the hunger and thirst verse, everything is sort of internal. And after the hunger and thirst verse, everything is sort of external. Blessed are the merciful. It's the way I treat people. It's the way I view people. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers are not pushovers, they're not passive. They're not people that compromise with, with untruth. Peacemakers are those who work hard to get things back the way they ought to be. Peacemakers sometimes are confrontational, just as Jesus was when he knocked the tables over in the temple. He was working hard to put things back the way they ought to be. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the peacemakers, those who work to put the right, world back in the right order by the grace of God. And then he says this, blessed are those who persecuted. It's almost a crash landing to a sermon, Pastor Toledo, you know. The last point you never want to say, and you're going to die. You're dismissed. It's almost a crash landing. 
What Jesus is saying is that those who are going to be under the full favor of the blessing of God are going to be the humble, the repentant, those who are hungry and thirst, those who are, he moves to pure in heart, which is, did you know that God through the Holy Spirit can actually change our motives and our ambitions and change us from the inside out, not just outward conformity? You preach that here. I know you do. Amen. That we can be pure in our heart. And then when our purity and our behavior begins to be external, Jesus said, don't worry when the world hates you, they hated me too. Can I say this? Holiness ultimately produces hatred from the world. Holiness ultimately produces hatred from the world. And Jesus said, it's okay. You're the blessed ones. You're the blessed ones. I close with this. I just mentioned these are inside out principles. And the focus of all of this is our good and God's glory. Jesus preached a sermon on the mount so we could actually know the reality of the things that our hearts truly desire. And so his father would get the glory for the way his disciples live. Everything we actually want is found in the opposite pursuits of this world. Our deepest satisfaction is found in allowing Christ to dwell in us richly. You know, I found interesting about this constitution is that the first one and the last one have the same promise. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And in the last one, blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And you know what? I think Jesus is saying that the only way to enter into the spiritual kingdom is through brokenness and humility. Your worst day spiritually is your, your worst day emotionally might be your best day spiritually. I'm so broken. Lord, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad. It's in that moment that he comes and says, you're getting ready to be blessed. And he brings you into the kingdom of God. And then the last one, your, your worst day physically might be your best day spiritually. If we were so unfortunate, they carried us to burn us at the stake. Jesus said, blessed are you when they persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. When they revile you, when you are persecuted, Jesus says, it's okay if they end up taking your life. Guess what? Yours is the kingdom of heaven. And you're going to get the, you're going to get the eternal kingdom of heaven. Did you know that the worst that Satan can do to you is usher you into the best that God has for you? Did you know that the worst that Satan can do to you is usher you into? Satan says, attack them. And Jesus says, oh, they're getting ready to be blessed. Satan says, beat them down. Jesus says, oh, they're getting ready to be be blessed because we are identifying and living with and doing the will of God. And that puts us under the full favor and blessing of God Almighty. Amen. All of this is for our good and for God's glory. At the close of this, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So what do we need to pray this morning? How do you pray? What do we want to pray about? I think there's three things that come to my mind. Of course, the kingdom of God is a theme in the book of Matthew. Fifty-five times it's mentioned in the book of Matthew. It's mentioned most in the Gospels and anywhere in the New Testament. The kingdom of God was a theme for Jesus. I think we need to pray that, the, that this gospel will be preached to the whole world. 
because Jesus said in Matthew 24, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. I'm not a doomsdayer. I'm not apocalyptic in my thinking or living necessarily. I'm not looking for the end of the world, but I do know this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, this gospel that he taught and he preached, when it goes out to the whole world, someday he's going to come up and set up his glorious kingdom. Amen. So as a Christian and as a church, what, one of the reasons you're doing the Beyond Project is so that you can, you can move us towards the expansion of the kingdom of God in this world. Secondly, I think we need to pray what Jesus taught us to pray in just the very next chapter when he said, when you pray, pray like this, thy kingdom come. Here's the reality. Jesus said the kingdom of God is here. It's one of those already and not yet deals. The kingdom of God is here. Jesus said in another place, the kingdom of God is among you. So here's the reality, folks. The kingdom of God is here. He has set up his kingdom this morning. It's here. The question is, are you living surrendered to the principles of the kingdom of God? In Virginia, I doubt you have this problem in Chicago, but in Virginia, Pastor Toledo, we actually have Christians that don't always follow the principles of the kingdom of God. Amen. I'm sure you don't have that problem in Chicago. Everything here is so peaceful and calm. No, no. The reality is the kingdom of God is at work. The question is, are you living today under the blessings of the kingdom of God? You're a believer. You're here this morning. You might be living more like an American or living more like a Democrat or living more like a Republican than you are living like a Christian out of the kingdom of God. And we might be ordering our life and viewing things. To, and we might just need somebody need this morning to say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to your kingdom principles again. And if it means mourning over my sin, I do that. And Lord, I want to be, I want to hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, I find that sometimes I don't hunger and thirst after righteousness because I'm nibbling on everything else. Your kids eat before supper. You say, don't eat that, honey. We're going to eat supper. And if you eat now, later you won't be hungry and I think sometimes we chew on the things in this world and we nibble on the things of this world and we snack on this world so much that we don't have a hunger for God but you know you're a Christian here this morning and the Lord says you need to you need to start fasting from some things in this world so that your heart will be grow hungry for the things of God I think I think I think we need I think we need to pray that prayer this morning amen and then somebody here this morning may be here, and I think it was already mentioned in the worship time. You've never entered the kingdom. Well, there's one entrance. It's the front door. It's to come humbly and say, Jesus, I am sorry. And I ask you to come into my life and bring me into your kingdom. The, the, the thief on the cross prayed, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's somebody's prayer this morning. Lord, will you bring me into your kingdom today? He'll do it. Amen. I want us to stand together this morning and I want us to bow our heads and I want us to sing a little chorus. If you guys can help me sing that this morning. It just simply says, I'll say yes, Lord. I'll say yes. And if your heart this morning is responding to prayer, yeah, go ahead and sing. If your heart is responding, would you just come down front and let's pray together about the kingdom of God? Amen. You're, you're a Christian, but I need to surrender to the kingdom principles this morning. Would you just come front, forward to the front and let's pray together? Amen. I need to surrender to the principles of the kingdom of God this morning. Amen. I need to surrender. I need to surrender to the principles of the kingdom of God. Lord, here I am this morning. I want the blessing, the full favor of God upon 
entered into the kingdom of God you have to enter in there's a moment in time when you have an interaction with Jesus you know when you become a Christian you don't just grow up a Christian there's a moment in time when you start that relationship with God and if you prayed that prayer first of all I want to congratulate you and welcome you into the kingdom of glory and light and power the kingdom of Jesus and also we have a gift for you um, and but we need you to take a step we want you to come to the front we've got a gift it's a box it has a Bible in it a note from us just a couple things to help you start your new relationship with God please I know it might be a little bit kind of you know like intimidating to walk over but walk over to the front over here my wife is going to be there uh, some of the pastors are going to be there get that box we just want to shake your hand and say hello 
and, uh, and give you this gift to help you on your way. Come on, let's all pray right now. Thank you, God. Thank you for the word of the Lord today. Thank you, God, that we can be a blessed people. And God, as we, we go from this place, release us to walk in the blessings of the kingdom, oh God. We pray for kingdom blessing upon our homes, upon our hearts, upon our lives, oh God. Wherever we go, may the kingdom of God arrive, Lord Jesus. And may we bring you glory. And may we bring you honor until you come back for your people. Thank you for your servant. Bless him. Bless, his, bless East Lake right now in Virginia. By your mighty power, bless them for releasing them to be with us, oh God. And we thank you. Release your people to bring you glory. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, amen. Come on, let's give him one more hand before we go. Praise the Lord. Before you go, come on.